Diddly-dum-dum, British Strongman podcast. So the first topic that we're going to talk about today is, so building on from last week, so some creative ways how you can kind of acutely help yourself with a little bit of uh, motivation during this phase where you might not have a comp or it's this during your off season or whatever. Um, and just basically some uh, some more fun methods that you can uh, that you can use to get more out of your training um, during this phase that will get you through to to say January, where most people statistically get a new lease of life, whether it's right, wrong, indifferent, or whatever. Like most people do, seem to kind of pick up in terms of. Um, motivation and stuff and it's not just about in my opinion it's not just about comps and things like that it's we, we had um, a bit of a chat last week saying how me and you were like very different like it doesn't bother you having a bit of time off but then someone like me is scared to have time off because um, I know it, I just like get distracted and go and do something else uh, whereas you know you'll always come back to it kind of thing um so, yeah, what, what 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 do you think, Shane? Well, some unique methods that you've put me on the spot here, aren't you? Um... Yeah, well, right. Say, say say I'm client X, and I've said right, I'm um, uh, I'm still showing willing, I'm still filling in my feedback or whatever, but I'm uh, struggling with motivation at the minute. Yeah, well, the thing that I think is that I just think people need. I think as long as you've got a specific goal then people have and, it, and it's a challenge that I think people have motivation so even even if it's even if it's like working towards a certain say you're building volume in your off season or whatever and you've got all this bullshit skill work to do or whatever but as long as there's something where there's like an, an, a, a clear end like say you're deadlifts let's say you're building towards Let's say, you know, let's say your 10 rep max is 180 and you're looking to build towards 200 for 10. Um, you know, maybe you're doing a couple of sets of 10 at 140, 130 to start and kind of building up some linear program or whatever. As long as there's an end goal in sight that they know that they're working towards, I think that the motivation can kind of stay there and they know they're working towards it and they're getting to their goals going to help next year. If you were just starting them off on sets of 10, and didn't lay out the kind of end goal, then yeah, after two weeks, someone's going to be getting low motivation and not enjoying it. So I just think for me really is, and this is the way my brain works. As long as I have a clear cut goal that I'm working towards, yeah, feel motivated. Whereas if I'm just putting in the work for, even, even though it's going to always work towards long-term goals, it's, it's hard to stay motivated for long-term goals. You need to set short steps, don't you? Uh, and as long as I can see that next step in the way and I'm getting close to it, I'm, I'm sweet. In terms of unique training methods to kind of stay motivated, that's just, to me, that's just undulating training and not making it as simple as the same thing, adding weight each, uh, you know, adding weight each week and, and just making sure that, yeah, it's almost not predictable, so to speak, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, th I think that is a fucking absolutely brilliant answer. And that is somebody that something that everybody can take take from what we've just said. And it's a thing that 
we have we've heard all our lives on goal setting. How important is it? Set out some long term goals, some medium term, all that shit. You've heard it so many times, but if you if you're still listening to this this deep into whatever seventy odd episodes in, then for some reason people seem to listen to us. So I I challenge people listening to this that. And, and this isn't just, just for your training. It could be your nutrition. It could be life. It could be productivity. Like, actually just... I, I find it so helpful, actually, now. But I, I have it in my phone. I use the notes all the time. And I'll just scribble notes down in my phone all the time so I'm not remembering stuff. I find that so helpful. So if you can do that, great. And just, just jot down, like, where, where do you want to be in 12 months' time? So off the top of my head like for me I'm thinking like say 12 months time I want to be feeling good feeling a lot better for worlds again and improving on my placing for worlds what about six months time well I want to be in good shape for the for the kind of uh, qualifiers I don't want to have bitten too off too much more than I can chew in terms of doing a shitload of comps and stuff like that um, I want to be feeling good starting going into like say qualifiers, whether they be like England's or Britain's or whatnot. Um, and what about like a shorter term, three month kind of thing? So for me, kind of attacking my weaknesses or stuff that doesn't come as easy to me, like I, I'm thinking I can get like in the next twelve weeks, I can get I can deadlift like. 40 plus times 40 to 50 times like broken into like little bite-sized chunks that I can add into my sessions uh, on variations that I find challenging uh, that's gonna they're all gonna feed into each other whereas if I didn't have that kind of mapped out in my head or for me sometimes I, I, I don't even if I don't even put in my notes sometimes I just need a scrap of in fact fucking hell Shay, look at this right no bullshit this is me, I don't know if you can see, but that that scribble on there is basically my. That's the first first three weeks of the exact numbers that I've been doing from a stiff bar deficit, uh, stiff bar de- deficit. So I could basically wrote the numbers out so I could do four times a week and know that I can recover. So uh, scribble, mate. So. Plan starts with a scribble. Well, that, that's it. But it, it it's a bit it, like it's it's disgusting. It's got like it's all crinkled. It's got coffee stains on it and stuff. But it's, I've referred to this about six or seven times in the last couple of weeks, and it's just there, written down. I'll tell you guys my bullshit goals. I got some bullshit goals. Woo! Because so, I've got some fun goals as well. But I'll tell you the bullshit ones. I need to improve my rack position because I haven't axle or a straight bar over a press in so long because I became a log whore that I've built this ridiculous rack position uh, so I'm working on that in the background also my left hand is gammed and has the grip strength of a small child so I have bought myself captains of crush grippers and some other bullshit things uh, so I'm training my grip a couple of times a week trying to improve that, which isn't fun. Trust me, it ain't fun getting the trainer captain the crush thing that my missus can close and I'm just barely doing it and trying to improve it. But yeah, but I'm doing that and working on that in the background. And then I've got a little side goal of doing a 260 for 15 deadlift. 
Okay, uh, so I'm building up my um, because there's a I've entered a comp in January with Deadly for reps, um, so it's given me a bit of an excuse to not slack on my rep work on my deadlift because I do tend to be one of those people that just tra- trains in the three to five rep range. Um, so I'm building up in quite high volume on my deadlifts at the moment, and that's given me a bit of motivation to, to do that. So I'm going to try that. Uh, I'm going to try that mid-January is my plan because I don't actually want to pull it for that many reps in the competition. I want to do that. <laughs> but I want to do it in training. Uh, and what else is a bull- oh, front squat. Got a little front squat goal. I want to get my front squat up to around about 260 range. Um, so, yeah, I've just got these little goals on each little exercise um, set. And obviously my weaknesses are, are the grip and the rack position at the moment. They're not fun to, you know, they're not fun to train, but, you know, I know if I can get my axle properly racked, that it will help my top end strength massively because I won't be losing all that force when I dip. Big time. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, mate. I don't know if you've seen my rack position, but it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. So, um, just just because you've stimulated thoughts in my head now to help you with those things, like thing, thing what I, I've done recently with, well, in the last, whatever, six months, or so for people to improve their rack position, I find that bullshit, like, kind of goals like this, if you try and, like, do it directly, like, I find that it's, like, harder to stick to because it's, like... It, you know, like say going going to right go, going to do all your lat stretches and your mobilizations and your or, or like doing half an hour mobility stuff. Like, I just wouldn't stick to it personally, and I find that a lot of people that I coach are like that. Whereas, for found what works really well is getting them to do like a, a sub maximal kind of front squat routine with a focus on improving rack mobility as the focus rather than just to get stronger with the legs. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, well, for me, I can't even attempt, you know, it's too, it's too far away, but my, I don't, I'm not doing the stretching either. I don't, I don't really, I used to do that in the past, but it yeah. didn't work. The plan I've got is um, I'm doing behind the neck strict press as yeah. one of my exercises because I can't even gain a proper a full grip, narrow, high bar position. Yeah. I can't. So my first goal is to get that. So I'm doing behind the next strip yeah. press. And I'm going to, I've started wide and I'm bringing my arms in every session. Once I can get that, I'm then going to change to a strip press as an assistant. And I'm going to do the eccentric and try and put it in a, yeah. obviously strip press, you don't rack properly, do you? But I'm going to, purposely rack it and almost make it like a tricep extension off the shoulder because the goal is not the weight it's the just getting the rack so i'm using eccentrics then once i'm in that position i will do the front squats that you're saying because yeah that's kind of how i found for me that's the stretching helps me attain the position yeah for and then I, I just reverts back i have to build yeah. strength yeah you need to get in there and use it don't you that's yeah. I think, I think the missing thing what a lot of people kind of miss out is they open up this position and then they don't spend time in that new position and build, I suppose, strength and volume. Um, yeah, 
because I don't even, I used to, but I don't even stretch to position now. I just jump in and I'll start my strip presses off behind the neck yeah. and it's that wide. And then by the time I'm three sets in, I've got that nice position. Um, and then, yeah, the next session I did, because I've only done two sessions on it so far, the next session I did, I managed to start a lot narrower. And then, you know, it's just going to go from from there, really. So, and that keeps me more motivated as well, because the stretching's fucking boring, but just doing a couple of sets. Yeah, that's of, what I mean. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. So you, so if you've got, got like one of the people listening have got a goal like this, if you can pick something like indirect that's going to, that you don't mind doing, that's going to actually, you can almost bias to help you towards these kind of goals that are often boring to get better at, then um, it could be really useful. So say, for instance, for me, like on the grip stuff, like I, I, I like just do, doing like, say, if I want to improve my grip a little bit, I, I like using strapless deadlifts, like for volume work. And I like just doing a lot of farmers and doing more volume than a lot of people would. Um, but yeah, I, I'm away from the strapless deads because my hand, I don't know what it is, but I'm completely fine on strapless deads. Like the strongest right. of weird. I don't, I don't get it. Completely fine. But then when it comes to like a slightly fatter grip, fucking nothing, mate. It's weird. Yeah. Well, that's that's another thing for another day. I'm I'm fucking absolutely terrible at the. I, I feel like my my farmer's grip or. or whatever is pretty good and grip endurance is pretty good. And then go to like, say double overhand axle deadlift. I'm absolutely useless. Yeah. I've been getting, I've been really reading into grip recently because of trying to fix this hand. Yeah. A lot. And um, yeah, it's a little bit more uh, complex than what you, what you think, isn't it? To be honest. Yeah. Right, let's move on to the second part of the podcast episode today. So I think this is a thing that we can regularly do, actually. Like if, like, because obviously we're thinking of content and think, things to talk about and things that are relevant and going to give people value. But I, I, I actually think going back to discussing like common topics like that our clients ask us, and use it as like a like a resource like we have done in the past you know instead of um because someone messaged me before about squats and saying that oh at the the bottom of my squat um i feel like my 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 back's rounding to go out of the hole like um what like is it it's a problem i want to try and fix it um i'm reading stuff on the internet that's saying it's because of x y and z like is it a problem? How do we fix it? Why does it happen? And I just I started writing something on Tree Coach, and then I thought, you know, this was safety, wasn't it? Didn't you say? Say again, yeah, safety bar, yeah. yeah. And then and then I, and then I thought, no, fuck it. Message messaged him, and I said, I'll, I'll see you on Saturday, and uh, we'll discuss it. Then I'll let you know my opinion. But then I thought, fuck me, we like we could talk for like 10, 20 minutes on this topic easily. Um, so what, 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 what's your, what's your opinion, Shane, on that? That's the, all the information you have. Yeah. So with this, with the safety bar, this isn't as true with, well, it's not, it's not true with a straight bar in my opinion, but, um, I think with a safety bar and applying it to strongman, I think there's two, two ways to do it. So I think 
coming out of the hole and as long as it's not your lower back and you're not in some like crazy fucked up position if you just get some some rounding and you complete the rep and you feel safe there's no pain you know maybe you do your set of five and they all look fairly similar there's, there's some rounding I, I think that's perfectly fine as long as you know that the carryover you're going to get from that is different to if you're coming out of the hole with an upright torso and you know you're keeping your knee trapped over your toe it's very quad dominant and you're in this perfect you know squat position because in strongman you often get put in that position like atlas stone pickups or when you max out your deadlift you're never going to have that perfect position so it's going to have more of a carryover to your strongman based events and it's perfectly fine but if you're looking to train uh, the safety bar squat for carryover to your back squat, then you want to make sure the position replicates um, your back squat position. Because often when you round on a, say you do a high bar back squat, if you round, oftentimes it's going to just fucking spit you out, isn't it? Um, and you're going to be in a, a, a bad position that you can't carry through with. With the safety bar, because of the handles and the position of it and the, the difference in where the yeah. weight is, you can you get a lot easier basically. So really, as long as you're looking at your safety bar and understand what you're wanting to get out of it, um, as long as it's meeting those requirements, then I think it's uh, it's all right. Yeah. So I suppose co- context is key, isn't it? So yeah. Um, so like he, he he's um, he's an example of somebody that's using his uh, he, front squatting on a separate day. And he's and he's focusing on upright torso break like super quad dominant um, front squat that is carrying over really nicely to his like log leg drive. Yeah. His his axle jerks are, are uh, like well really good. He did one four eight the other day actually from the box at like ninety three body weight, pretty good. Um, he's built, he's do, dumbbell, dumbbells go, going good. Got eight, eight to the other day, and you can see that his technique that what basically what he does on his overhead events is he dips, keeps his weight through his legs, nice rack, and drives up through the legs. Uh, and actually, his deadlift's going really well as well. Um, what is he did he 300 for two the other day? Um, and his deadlift when he's at, at this kind of maximal kind of weight is similar is similarish to this kind of the this safety bar position. Um, so but personally, like like I think it's um, yeah. Obviously, it completely depends what you're going for. If it's if you if you go in for well, what what I've done is like I've dropped his weights down next week to give him the opportunity to see, see if he wants to maintain like the, a kind of position that he, he's kind of like looked into on the internet and like basically given the opportunity to, to actually choose whether he's rounding or not, if you will. Um, and I don't know where I'm fucking going with it, but um but yeah, load exposure is the big driver of you know top end strength. So if you can get an extra 
I've seen some people that they, they can only fucking stay, let's say they can stay upright with 150 kilo, but then they could do a set of five at 180 if they fucking round a bit on the safety bar. So it, it's, it's again, it's fucking pick your, uh, pick your goal, pick the outcome you want. If you're peaking your deadlift and you want your safety bar to, you know, uh, be synergistical with that and go alongside it, then fucking mong it up and get heavy on it. You know what I mean? But then if you, if you, if you decide, you know what, I've actually got a real weakness here. There's a big disparity between my upright perfect position and my mong back position. So I'm going to do a phase where I'm going to try and get that closer. Yeah. You can really just pick and choose. So I don't think that anybody should be disheartened with, you know, looking at it and going, oh, it should be upright. It should be it, it's, it's just two different things. And you need to just be aware it's two different things. And sometimes you're going to work on one, sometimes you're going to work on the other. And they both have their uh, they both have their place. And the only thing I would say is if you do get a big disparity between the two, then it's always good to go, right, I'm going to do a phase where I just stay and build the upright torso position on the safety bar because that's going to help build your upper back strength isometrically. And hold those positions and, and stuff. So it's still beneficial. Yeah. Right. Great stuff. Nice one, Shane. See you next week. Do you agree with that though? Do you think that sounds Com completely? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just decide, just decide on the goal. So using this guy as a as a case study, like if we were if we were if we were just basically adding weight and then he's gone from like an upright torso and he's started monging it just because we're adding weight and the goal is to get stronger legs, stronger upper back or whatever for, for help with say, say for instance, you say we're wanting to make his debt, say we're wanting to improve his overhead and make his like kind of deadlift position kind of more kind of PT textbook kind of thing. Then yeah, okay. Like straight spine. Then, then, then go with that. But if we're just wanting to, like you say, pit like his overhead events are blowing up, his deadlifts, his deadlifts going up consistently, and we're just supporting that. He's got no reason to be, to be. Um, he's not interested in powerlifting. He's not going to do powerlifting, so he's not going to. He's not really bothered about. It, it's just literally to support. His, yeah. Uh, his strongman. Um, I well, the back safety bar. I think's one of the best things to do. In, to be honest with you, I think it's class. Um, so yeah, I don't see it. like like I say it just replicates like sandbag pickup, atlas. You know, no one's got straight back on them things. You know what I mean? Uh, so you're just strengthening a position that you're gonna be in semi regularly. You, you, you spend a lot, spend a lot of time in. Say say for like imagine this like a no, normal comp. Say you're doing say you're doing like say a log. Say you're doing log press for reps with um, the log. The log starts on uh, blocks below your knee. The you're doing you're doing a 15 inch deadlift for reps. You're doing a awkward object carry medley, Husafel stone keg. Um, you're doing a heavy ass farmers, and then you're doing Atlas stones to finish. Right? You did that. That could be a typical comp. Right? Every single event there, it is so important that you have built resilience and performance uh, within a flex spine position. You yeah. cannot, if you, you got anybody here, right? This is a challenge to anybody listening, right? Pick a, if you, if you 
train at a gym where the log stays on the floor, right? Take a video from the side of you getting the log out before you start your session, right? And try and the goal is keep a straight back, neutral spine. I'll be impressed if anybody can do it. Yeah, because so if if same same with picking up an atlas stone, say picking up a hundred kilo atlas stone, can you keep a perfectly neutral spine doing that? Um, if if you can send me a video, I'll be I'll be really impressed. Same with same with all the all, all the awkward objects. Same with the like. So so if you are if that is the case and you're all accepting of that, like. Are you not doing yourself a disservice as a coach? Are you not doing your clients a disservice if you are not building strength and resilience in that kind of rounded position and that position and like basically teaching your body not to shit itself, like I've said before or whatever. Um, so, well, I'm not saying what to think. The, ju- the jury's out. People believe what they want to believe. But I, I think if you're going to take this approach of, like, say, embracing the kind of the, these mongy positions or whatever, I think a really, really important thing to do is follow a structured program, which obviously sounds, sounds obvious. But if you're, you're post, like, say someone, you, you've had a new client chain who's, like, history of back issues or whatever, and you you think you want to you want to program them um, the, the the really weak inflection or whatever, and you want to you want to build up their kind of mental strength, and you program something like say, you know, like stiff leg, rounded deadlifts or whatever. Yeah. Like, and you wrote like an eight week block of that or an eight week progression of that as an assistance exercise, which is something that you you might do, like. Like how how well in fact we're gonna go into another fucking episode here, but but like <laughs> but but in terms of percentages, if you worked off a percentage, it would be you'd start off Yeah, start very light, yeah. Very light, wouldn't you? And find 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 a load that's completely pain-free. Um and then and I want them to feel like they've done nothing that first session. Yeah, exactly exactly. And then the I, I, I've done it with people like rehabbing back injuries and put put those put those in and and just added like they've been it's been like a mind fuck week one when they're doing these kind of mong back things with sixty kilos for three sets of ten, but then they've added like two and a half kilos a week up to till they're doing seventy eighty percent of the max and they feel really strong and resilient. But the key the key thing is is like. You've got to build it up slowly. And that's the thing with the, this guy as the case study who's asked the question. If you look at his program, it's all kind of it's incremental progressions each week. And that's why you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily get somebody starting a squat cycle who, who, who you didn't know the history and background of and get them to squat like that. Do you know what I mean? At that kind of weight and percentage. So if you listen to this episode and just cherry picking stuff, like we're not advocating that people go and lift with with uh, in a monkey position. If you feel it is relevant or whatever, and it could give you value, like make sure that you're structuring it in a in a safe and uh, tiny tiny progressions way, like or get me me and Shane to help you or whoever. 
Yeah, and some people, some people won't even because I just just to reiterate what you said. They're not saying that you have to go in these positions. For example, when I safety bar squat and when I deadlift, I, I stay upright. I mean, I've started rounding my thoracic on my deadlift on purpose um, uh, since kind of doing some work with Josh actually a little while ago, and I'm still taking that approach now when I'm rebuilding my deadlift. But my safety bar for me, I can't do it like. It just doesn't, my my legs, like other things will fail before my upper back rounds. So I'm not purposely going to put myself in that position, you know, just to, you know what I mean, if that makes sense. So it's just what we're trying to say is if you naturally, if that naturally kind of happens to you and you feel strong and safe and resilient there, then don't think it's an issue. But if you're not going there and you never kind of go in that position, don't think you have to force it there either because, yeah, it's gonna. It's very. It's, well, lifting is very individually based, isn't it? So, yeah, just kind of one of them. Yeah, do, do you, using like a using like an example that that, that m- most people will know who are listening to this. You look at like yeah, say the way Hicksy squats and the, the way he's done like four hundred um, safety bar. My, it's just absolutely. I, I I think it's amazing personally, and I think. The fact that he's had the ability, he's earned the ability to do that over years of incremental. He hasn't just got gone one day right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and uh, try 400 today from doing 250 or whatever. It's like he's yeah. built it up over the years. But I, I think, I think the fact that he's built that up with the technique that he uses actually will correlate a lot in terms of the to to like say. In getting is it is his injury risk on like say deadlifts for instance and um awkward object pickups and like heavy farmers or whatever. I don't think like do you understand what I mean, Shay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hicks is a perfect example. That's where the main question I get on this comes from. A lot of people have asked me, is Hicksy squatting right? Like it doesn't look right. But um but yeah, it's the same. He's a like quite popular name of someone that regularly does it, isn't he? So, and we've seen it in the flesh, obviously. So, you know, we we we've experienced it. Right, nice one. So, I'll see you next week, bud. Yeah, see you, mate. Peace out, bye.